Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction, Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Well, good morning, and welcome to a brand new year with Navwick Talks. I am your host, Jackie Perry, with J. Perry and Associates, and we are thrilled to kick off another year brimming with extraordinary guests, from the incredible members of Navwick to the resourceful individuals and organizations driving our growth as women leaders and entrepreneurs. So, as you may have already found out, each episode is a journey towards inspiration and greatness, and you won't want to miss a beat. So remember, you can always catch up on our past episodes and subscribe to our channel at blogtalkradio.com backslash nabwick. And if you're ready to don the iconic red shirt and join our ranks at nabwick, simply visit nabwick.org, that's N-A-B-W-I-C.org, and hit the join button. It's just that easy. Well, listen, today on this wonderful Wednesday, we're joined in the studio by some truly special people. We have our publisher and author and production manager, Ms. Ursula Odom, the exceptional consultant extraordinaire, Mr. Gerald Barnes, and of course, our founder and master builder herself, Ms. Ann McNeil. Good morning, Ann. Welcome. All right. Good morning, Jackie, Terry, and like I say all the time, Jackie, if I were any better, I would be you, Jada, Ursula, but not our special guest today. <laughs> Listen, I want to remind everybody that the vision of the National Association of Black Women in Construction is to continue to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will continue to provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in the construction industry and in our respective communities. And, Jackie, I'm excited to uh, share also that I'm just coming back from Washington, D.C. at the Transportation Research Works Conference where we are honoring one of our other special people, Mr. Matt Ford, uh, who is uh, the executive director and president of the JTA Jacksonville Transportation 
in, in Jacksonville, and he is doing a phenomenal, 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 phenomenal job. I cannot say that enough. And so when we think about strategic partnerships, I am excited today to hear Donna Berry's story, and I know you're going to properly introduce her, but I consider her as one of very few women who sit in the seat that she's in blazing a trail. So when we think about strategic partnerships with organizations and individuals like Nat Ford, like Donna, Jerry, and so many other women that we've spotlighted on this podcast, it just continues to encourage me as the founder of this phenomenal organization to just stay the course as we just continue to identify other women, other cities, other states, other agencies that we can partner with to continue to shine a light on the black girls and the black women who are interested in coming into this construction space, whether they are architects, engineers, contractors, uh, laborers, trade people, whatever it is, professionals, it does not matter. So with all of that being said, Jackie, let's get this party started. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction, Block Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Well, good morning, and welcome to a brand new year with Navwick Talks. I am your host, Jackie Perry, with J. Perry and Associates, and we are thrilled to kick off another year brimming with extraordinary guests from the incredible members of Navwick to the resourceful individuals and organizations driving our growth as women, leaders, and entrepreneurs. So, as you may have already found out, each episode is a journey towards inspiration and greatness, and you won't want to miss a beat. So remember, you can always catch up on our past episodes and subscribe to our channel at blogtalkradio.com backslash nabwick. And if you're ready to don the iconic red shirt and join our ranks at nabwick, simply visit nabwick.org, that's N-A-B-W-I-C.org, and hit the join button. It's just that easy. Well, listen, today on this wonderful Wednesday, we're joined in the studio by some truly special people. We have our publisher and author and production manager, Ms. Ursula Odom, the exceptional consultant extraordinaire, Mr. Gerald Barnes, 
And, of course, our founder and master builder herself, Miss Ann McNeil. Good morning, Ann. Welcome. Thank you, Ann, so much for, as usual, those inspiring comments. And as you say, let's get this party started. So, once again, we are so excited to have with us in the studio our special guest, who is also our woman in the spotlight for our upcoming Transportation Contracting Opportunities Luncheon, and that's the remarkable Donna Berry. Now, before I read a little bit about Donna, I just want to tell you a little bit about this recognition. So, this prestigious recognition celebrates trailblazing women who have left an indelible mark in the transportation sector. And as you'll hear, Donna's exceptional contributions and leadership have not only paved new paths in this field, but also serves as a beacon of inspiration for aspiring women in transportation. So I just want to pause and say good morning, Donna. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, you are certainly welcome, and we are thrilled. The privilege and honor is all ours. So I'm going to try to do justice and just read a little bit of your uh, bio, but everybody is so excited to have you on the show today. And I just want to say to our listeners, while I'm reading this, you may want to go ahead and uh, grab your pen, grab that pad, because I'm sure there will be lots of nuggets that Donna will be sharing with us today. So Donna Berry... Deputy Director for Project Delivery and Chief Engineer at Caltrans since 2022, leads over 11,000 employees in managing California's transportation projects. With a civil engineering degree from UC Davis and over 25 years at Caltrans, her career spans multiple leadership roles, focusing on project management and stakeholder collaboration. An advocate for diversity in STEM, she is an active member of the National Association of Black Engineers and WTS, which stands for Women in Transportation, the Sacramento chapter. Donna, as I said before, uh, exemplifies commitment to excellence and mentorship in the transportation sector, and she will be recognized as NAVWIC's woman in the spotlight doing NAVWIC's billion-dollar luncheon and transportation opportunities, and that luncheon will be held virtually on Friday, January 26th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you'll want to mark your calendars. So that's a little bit about Donna, but Donna, again, we are so excited to have you here. I know I didn't do it justice, so I'm just going to ask you to tell our audience a little bit about your background and how you came to do what you do now. Absolutely. A little bit about my background. I was one of those students many, many years ago who was good in science, good in math, and so I was tapped on the shoulder to look at something beyond the traditional roles of what women could do, which is something that we need to change, right? We need to make sure that Anyone who's interested in engineering and interested in anything in STEM have the opportunity to move forward in those fields and not just the best and the brightest or what somebody else sees in us. Also, I had parents. I have a Jamaican mother, a father from Texas, two independent 
countries, whether we know it or not, who gave me opportunity to, to pick a major, one of five majors. They told me I could be a, a, a doctor, I could be a nurse, I could be a civil engineer, electrical engineer, or mechanical engineer. So what I chose to do was to come in and be a civil engineer. I did not know what it was. But I had parents who my mother immigrated over and was very wanted to make sure that I was taken care of, that I had a career that could do and that I could take care of myself. And so other people who had parents who came over from another country had those same type of opportunities where it was where it was laid out what we wanted to do or what they wanted us to do. And so I went into engineering um, because of my parents and found out that it was something that I really wanted to do. I chose civil engineering because it's dealing with people, it's dealing with the environment, it's dealing with how we're going to leave a legacy for others. So um, that's how I got to that point, went through school, went to UC Davis, got my degree, and knew that I wanted to do other things um, outside of engineering because I didn't really believe it was my calling at the time. I wanted to be in the community. I wanted to make sure that people had the same opportunities that I had. And so that was a large part of what I did coming up through school. And that was through NSBE, the National Society of Black Engineers, allowed me the opportunity to do those things. And I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for that organization, the largest student-run organization in the country that allowed me to hone my, my skills hone my ability to do what I needed to do and at any given time, and that was working with youth. And so it's something that I continue to do even to this day. So my background was, is engineering. I love it. I design. I, I was in construction for a very long time, but really my passion is making sure that people don't go through what I had to go through in order to be here today. I started with the department in 1992 so and left in the middle to raise my family. So today I came back. I came back at a time where I felt like it was my time to to show others that you can do what you need to do, stay yourself, and, and, and get to where you need to go. Well, thank you for sharing that. It sounds like a very inspiring journey, and I know it's probably hard for some of us to really appreciate uh, that journey that you just summarized, you know, in a couple of minutes. Uh, but in that, uh, you had parents that really believed in education and growth, and they really uh, pushed you. You chose uh, engineering. But one of the things that you said that resonated with me, though, was beyond uh, just the career, you had a, a passion, uh, a passion for your community and for other people which led you to get involved and lead and make change at that time. So thank you. And I think that's what a lot of us as women aspire to do. So, Donna, help us understand, uh, if you could paint a picture for us, though, because, you know, you after raising your family, you came back. And so you lead over 11,000 employees, and you have a capital improvement project program that you oversee is valued at $5 billion. So I know it's not a case where you're just tripping along on a bed of roses. So if you could uh, help paint a picture for our audience, what does a day in the life of Donna Berry look like? Today it's a little bit different. Today a day in the life is a lot of meetings. I live for meetings, and what that means is I have the ability to go in and influence 
I get to influence decisions for not only um, the area that I'm involved in, but also the state of California. And so one of the big things that is exciting right now is being able to speak out loud, to be able to say whatever I need to say and not feel any way about it. If you look back in time, we have a lot of people who still are in those positions where you don't get to have a voice or have a seat at the table. So a day in the life today is a seat at the table to be able to see people for who they are and what they bring to the table as opposed to what you think they bring to the table. So allowing people to have a voice. I had that coming up through my career where people could people saw me and knew that I had something to add to the table or add to the mm-hmm. conversation and they allowed me to speak up. And that's very, very rare. So everything coming up, not everybody allowed me to do that, but I was fortunate enough to work with people who saw me and it was, and allowed me to do that. And for me and the position that I'm in and the day in the life today, I want to make sure that I can do that. So if I have to sit in the room, be the only female, be the only African-American female sitting at the head of the table and they still don't know who I am, then that's their problem, not my problem. And so a day in the life today is having that seat at the table, whether it's sitting with our secretary, whether it's sitting with my director, whether it's sitting with any of the other chief engineers in any other state and having that voice of being one of the, being the largest state to have, to have a voice on whatever that looks like. And so a day in the life is very different than a day in the life when I started. And we want to make sure that other people have that opportunity to do what I'm doing now. No, great. Thank you so much for sharing. That voice is really, really important, and I know that's something that our founder, Ms. Ann McNeil, tries to stress to us all the time, things that you said. You know, it is important to have a voice, and definitely as as women, we should and, and need to have a, a seat at the table so that we can be effective advocates and influence and make change. Thank you for being comfortable with your seat at the table. And for being that voice, that advocate, having that influence, being able to make change, it means a lot for women who are in the industry and those that are are, are coming behind you. But take a moment and tell us what you enjoy most about what you do. I enjoy most. I enjoy influencing the next generation. I don't have so many people who see me and see that they can do it, too. One of the big things here that that we have is we bring people in who look like me. I'm going to speak on women specifically. Women who look like me who come in starry-eyed, want to do a million different things, and get told no that they're just ordinary. They're just ordinary. They go through the program. They last two, three, maybe four years, five years, and then they leave, and they leave the department, and they go somewhere else, and then somebody else tells them how extraordinary they are. Right, mm-hmm. So we don't value them while they're here, but somebody else values them. We train them, we train them up, we get them out, and they go. I can't be the only one. I can't be the one person that's sitting here. There should be four or five of us um, who could sit in a position. I should not be the only one. And so one of the biggest things that I'm seeing is that that next generation, they see it, they're staying, they're working through it, and so their voice is just as important as my voice in any given room because – they're working on projects. They're working with the community. They're making massive changes in the way in which we move through our transportation system, whether it be um, dealing with unhoused, whether it's dealing with affordable housing, whether it's dealing with building bridges, whatever that looks like. 
my voice is just as important as their voice, and their voices are just as important as mine. And I really, really, really need them sitting at the table in the everyday conversations that are happening around the state. And so my what I what do I enjoy mo- most? I enjoy the fact that they're staying. I enjoy the fact that they see that they have a future here. That's what I enjoy most. Oh, that's great when you're able to influence young people that way, the generations working together. It takes both of us in order to forge ahead for a prosperous future. And one of the things I know, again, at NAVWIC, we value our future. We value the young people and especially uh, young women. And uh, and that's why a part of our uh, strategy and mission focuses on young girls and, of course, women. So it's good to hear that that's an important part of what you do and that is what you really enjoy. So uh, thank you also for, for sharing that. I want to ask one question, one more question before we go to a commercial. And I also want to invite if anybody who's in the studio or if you're listening, if you've got a question, you can just press star and one on your telephone, and you can join the conversation with us. So we've got Donna Berry here with us, Deputy Director for Project Delivery and Chief Engineer at Caltrans, and uh, she's got a lot to share, and you might have questions. So I actually already see one hand, so I'm going to open the mic for caller ending with the number 5498. Go ahead. Good afternoon, Ms. Jackie and uh, Ms. Berry. This is Tyreen Henry. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to the conversation so far. Um, I really just wanted the opportunity to um, ask Ms. Berry. I heard you say that your, your parents pretty much gave you some options as far as career paths are concerned, and you chose uh, the engineering path. Um, as you chose that path and you've been along this, that path has Leaders, being in a leadership role, was that something that you knew early on that you wanted to do, or was it something that came, you know, as a result of your personal characteristics and, and opportunities that were ahead of you? Did you always know that, you know, you wanted to be in a leadership role? So that's, that's number one. And then the, the second question is, what's next? So as far as being in a leadership role, I don't think I ever set out to be, in a, be a leader, right, to be in a leadership role. But I think people have leadership traits that you can't deny. And, and I, as I spoke of earlier, Nesby brought that out of me. They, they wanted us to be leaders. They trained us to be leaders. Uh, and so it was a natural progression. But early in my career, I was just learning, right? I was here to head down, trying to get through it, and then it's just a natural progression. But all while I was working with here, here within Caltrans, I had a whole separate life that was happening in the community. So I definitely have always been a leader in the community. I work with an organization. I've been on the board, the president of the board, for the last 14 years. Stepping down this year, it's kind of bittersweet. But um, that's dealing with young women. So the leadership qualities that I had that came from my parents, my dad has a street named after him. He was the person who was always out doing something, helping people, trying to bring people along. And so it, I, that's how I grew up. But I thought that I had to keep my world very separate. And so one of the things that I've learned over the last 
or since the pandemic, really, is to to merge those two worlds. So not many people knew what was happening in the community. They only knew my work. So head down, doing my job, doing what I needed to do. And then the piece that was happening with that gave me the most joy, whether it be my family, whether it be working in the community, was something that was very separate. So I think, did I know I was a leader? Absolutely. Did I know I could be a leader within the department? It's not something that I that I strive to do because that would slow me down on the things that gave me the most joy, which was outside. I've been able to merge those two, two things together. And so that's what's giving me the most joy today. Hopefully that answers I'm snapping the my fingers over here. That was amazing. <laughs> Phenomenal. Thank you. Words of wisdom, words of wisdom. You said keeping things separate and how that's been a very, that's been the norm for you. And once you began to kind of bring them, you know, understanding that it's okay to bring them together, I think a lot of, um, you know, women that are um, in in these environments, you know, whether it be engineering or, you know, in a manage, management capacity, director-level role, there's always this, you know, question of, you know, bringing your authentic self into mm-hmm. the workplace. And one thing that you said earlier that really just made me um, kind of get chills is when you said, you know, if, if, if I'm at the table and if you don't know who I am, that's your problem because you know that you've done what you need to do and that you're representing in your space and your capacity. And I think that's so important for women to be aware and understand because some people, they will know who you are, but they choose to act like they don't know. And so I think that confidence piece is a word of, a word of, of wisdom and a nugget um, that so many of us can, and can truly benefit from. So thank you for that as well. Absolutely. And the second part of your question, uh, what do I see coming up? What's, what am I, where am I headed? I want to continue to mentor. I want to continue to develop the bench. We need a bench. Um, we're, we're at retirement age, and so a lot of us who are in similar positions to myself, we're, we're not going to be here much longer. So we need to make sure that that bench is solid and that they're ready for the next steps. And I want to con- continue to just be an advocate. So we know that we need to pivot. The pandemic did that for us. We had to p- pivot and pivot very quickly. And so I want to make sure that we're ready. So just to expect the unexpected. And that's what I that's that's where I want to go, and that's where I'm seeing my next step. And I'm very, very, very excited about it. <laughs> I, I'm excited too. I just got one more question. So you okay. mentioned mentorship. Can you give you know maybe a word of advice to you know women that are growing in their career wherever they are? Um, oftentimes people will say they want to mentor and reach out to people for mentorship. Can you speak to the value of, um, you know, bringing something to the table as a mentee, right? Um, you know, what would have been some of the successful characteristics of um, mentorship relationships, whether you were being mentored or mentoring someone else? Kind of as a, you know, words of wisdom for folks that are seeking to have successful mentoring relationships. Absolutely. One of the big things that I realized is we want to make sure that we're picking mentors that aren't exactly like us all the time, right? It's not one size fits all. We don't need to 
just rely on one mentor. You need to have multiple mentors. And we need to make sure that you understand that a mentor is there to guide you but not give you the answers. So a lot of times when I sit down in mentoring situations, I have people who are coming in and saying, Donna, you are where you are. Show me how to get there. And that's not that's not a mentorship. You're coming in. You're thinking about where your next steps are. You're thinking about what you bring to the table, things that you need to work on, and they're minor things that maybe you didn't know. And so you're you're trying to develop a relationship with this mentor that allows you to bring out the best part to yourself because anybody who's being mentored, they're already there, right? And And you can look at mentorship versus coaching, and I always tell the people that I'm working with, you know, Michael Jordan had a coach up until the last day, right? So you're never too far along in your career or what you're doing that you don't need somebody to, to help you see what you don't see, where your blind spots are. So when you're going into a mentorship situation, understand that you may want to go one way and that mentor may see something totally different for, for you and take you in a different path. I had a mentor one time who challenged me at a way, in a way that made me want, not want to talk to them anymore. <laughs> and they were, they're my biggest advocate to this day. But they're not always, a mentor's not always going to tell you what you want to know. You're, there's some hard work that you have to do inside and outside of that relationship. Well, thank you so much, Donna, for answering those questions. Thank you, Colleen. Those were some very good questions. And again, I hope folks have their notepads and their because some good stuff, and especially as it relates to mentors. And uh, I think that's helpful to remind people, too, and multiple mentors are, are needed in one's career and that the mentors are there not to give answers but to, to guide mm-hmm. you along the way. I think that's, that's very important. Thank you so much for that. But listen, we're going to switch and just go to a quick commercial We've been talking with Donna Berry, Deputy Director for Project Delivery and Chief Engineer at Caltrans, and NAWIC's Woman in the Spotlight, which we are so very excited about. But we're going to hear more from her. And just as you heard Colleen join the conversation, if you have a question, just press star and one on your phone, and you can join us. But first, this commercial. We'll be right back. We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction blog talk radio show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. N-A-B-W-I-C's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. Yes, and we are back. 
and we are talking with the Deputy Director for Project Delivery and Chief Engineer at Caltrans, Ms. Donna Berry, Network's woman in the spotlight. And so far, we have heard a lot of great things from uh, the things that influenced her career and journey to her passion for community to what even a day in her life looks like in terms of advocacy and influence. Um, so we are just having a great conversation, and remember, you can join. Before we get back to that conversation, just want to remind folks that we do have a couple of events that are coming up on the NABWIC front, and that is NABWIC's 2024 annual meeting and reception, and that's taking place on uh, January 24th. We're going to kick off with our annual reception in Philadelphia, it's going to be at the Embassy Suites by Hilton there in Philadelphia. So join us on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. where all the all the women, all the men, everyone from the community and around about comes out and just network and meet each other and do connections and all kinds of business. So we are looking forward to that. And then our strategic meetings that follows on the 25th. But also, don't forget, again, NABWIC's 2024 billion-dollar luncheon and transportation contracting opportunities. That takes place virtually Friday, January 26th. That's 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you're going to hear, again, as we recognize and honor Ms. Donna Berry, but also you get to hear about all kinds of opportunities in the transportation industry and when I talked before, I may have mentioned that uh, Ms. Berry is responsible for delivering the annual capital improvement project program valued at over, if I said million, I misspoke. It's five billion, not million. And so you'll hear uh, from Representative at Caltrans too, who talks about those opportunities that fall in that arena. So you don't want to miss it. Mark your calendar and uh, join us. If you want to know about other network events that are coming up, you can always check us out on Eventbrite or just visit our website, again, org. So we are back, and we're just going to continue the conversation with Ms. Mary Donna. We've just been having a wonderful time. This has been so insightful and inspirational. So thank you once again. So. Colleen asked you what's coming up, and you told us what where you're headed next. I would like to know, in everything that you've done, uh, what would you consider to be your biggest accomplishment? My biggest accomplishment in my career. I would see, and you say you asked about my career, but specifically it's my family. I um, okay. my biggest accomplishment is is my kids are my kids and my husband and the reason I say that is there was a time where um, you couldn't be a mother you couldn't do the job that I'm doing and, and sort of survive and so I did leave the department for a while. And I left because I needed to make sure I was raising my, my kids. I have two sons. And I, the job that I had, they wanted me to be 
the person that I was before I had my second son. And that was somebody who was working long hours, doing, you know, county board of supervisors type or meeting with them, doing meetings in the evenings, doing city council meetings, and really being out in the public at for all hours of the night. And I didn't have it in me because I had young young kids. And so I made a decision to step back and, and go into a nonprofit go into the nonprofit world doing the things that I enjoy doing, not in transportation, but doing some things in the community. So I did that for a number of years um, while my kids were little, and the beauty of doing that is it allowed me to be home. We have those opportunities now because we are in a lot of hybrid telework, work-from-home situations, but back then, that wasn't possible. And so I, I made that decision. My husband and I made that decision to do that, and got them, got my younger son all the way through kindergarten, and then decided to come back. And one of the biggest things, so my biggest accomplishments are my family, my kids, but really in my career is that I took that time off from working in transportation and was able to come back and hit the ground running and still be in this position that I'm in now. And so career-wise was that I gambled on myself, I gambled on my family, and my career probably moved to a higher level because I did do it. And so I think that's my biggest accomplishment for my career is that I gambled on myself. I wanted my family. And if you and now, as I look at my family, my husband's an engineer as well. He's in the industry specific. He's a civil, but in construction. My older son is a civil engineer, designing, working in San Diego now. And I, my younger son is a sophomore in college studying civil engineering. And so gambling on myself and my family um, allowed them to be the best versions of what they could be. We did not tell them they had to be engineers. We told them that they had to get off the payroll. And so um, (laughs) they decided to take that path. And so that's my biggest accomplishment, both family and career. Wow. No, thank you for sharing that, and quite an accomplishment, and quite a legacy. I know you said they didn't have to choose it, but I get seeing what you all were able to do in terms of family and career, no doubt, influenced their choices. And what a courageous choice you made, too, to prioritize your family. And as you were talking, I thought about one of the answers you mentioned before when you talked about the importance of the next generation and how you influence them and how you take time to mentor them. And then I can imagine that you were doing that for your family, and these are young people, again, that are going off into organizations that are making a difference. And it's because, again, of that uh, family investment. And so hats off to you, and congratulations. I like that accomplishment. Very rarely do we get that, that answer. But uh, I applaud you. And so before we go on, because I know we are going to be wrapping up, we have Mr. Gerald Barnes, who's also in the studio, and I know he is just squiggling in his seat wanting to say something. (laughs) So we're going to open this mic and give him that opportunity. Good morning, Mr. Gerald. How are you? Doing well. And actually, I moved from squiggling in my seat to running around the room. (laughs) And... um, Really appreciate the uh, the conversation and thank you so much, Donna, for just being who you are. So one statement that I wanted to make and ask, in conjunction to how you just showed us the blueprint of sustainability, 
being able to maintain family, work, and then excelling higher into work, being that California is always at the top of the chart of sustainability and, and technology, how could or would you just drop a couple of nuggets for us today on how we can spread that throughout the country? I know that's a tough task, but just giving us a little sneak preview of what's coming up next out of California as far as uh, sustainability and transportation. <laughs> There's so much going on, which makes it exciting. And, and as we're talking to um, our young folks that are coming out of school and what we offer, which is different from others, is first of all, we have – you know, and talk about our administration, our governor as a whole, that sees that climate, climate, act, uh, climate adaptation, climate action, things that are going to help the climate so that we can leave, um, leave, leave, leave here or leave this place in a better place than we have it today. And so we're doing a lot in the space of green fleet, meaning um, we want to get to a point where we are reducing our GHG. Uh, are reducing GHC so that uh, VMT, our vehicle miles traveled, we're looking at how we can um, get people out of vehicles and into other, other modes of transportation, whether it's transit, whether it's biking, walking, making sure that pedestrians and, and bicyclists have safe routes. Um, we have a community, our community as a whole is very big into biking. I have a husband who rides um, if he could, he would ride minimum 30 miles a day, and if he doesn't, then we all pay for it because it, it's his happy place. And so we want to make sure that when he goes out in the road that he's safe. And so as far as sustainability, it's looking at repurposing what we already have. And so we're looking at it through through that lens. We're looking at it through an equity lens and um, making sure that we don't do it in just the easiest places that we're looking at underserved, we're looking at um, different communities that they get the same services as others. One of the big things that we're working on right now um, that's um, being led by somebody who works directly for me is broadband. And so the administration wanted Caltrans to get involved in delivering broadband. And so we're calling it the Middle Mile Network, which is basically goes down the spine of California. And what's that, what that is doing is it's allowing broadband to go to underserved, um, underrepresented communities. And so it, the cost of it would be at a level that everybody can afford it because it's a basic need, no different than electricity. So if you were to plug into a wall anywhere, whether it be in your home, whether it be on the side of the street that you're getting electric ser or service, and um, we want to be able to do that for broadband so everybody has the ability to have the same speed. And so that high-speed service is something that's necessary for whether it's doctor's appointments, whether it's schoolwork, whether it's applying to school. In order for everyone to be on an equal playing field, everybody has to be able to have equal access to, to high-speed Internet. And so that is one thing that is very different than any other state is that we are in the middle of finishing or getting it out to construction and the broadband middle mile network, which will connect into the last mile, which is the 
what will actually go out to homes and so on and so forth. And so I'm very excited about that because it's something that our Department of Technology typically takes care of, but the need was to come to transportation because of our right-of-way and what we, and we actually deliver. So we have that ability to get it in the ground and get that service up and running by 2026 throughout the entire state. Mm. And I can Thank go on so and on, but I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to keep talking uh, offline and online and around the line because that's that's what we're looking to do to collaborate and get our whole country on point to do some great things. And thank you for being that great conduit to help us get there. Absolutely. Yeah, Donna, thank you so much for sharing. I know that, again, that was just a little bit of what you all are involved in, but that last project you talked about, the broadband, the Middle Mile Network, sounds really, really interested. And I know that we'll hear more about that during the Billion Dollar Luncheon. And then, like you said, there's so much more. And we do really need to have you back because I'm looking at our time and I'm going like, where does it go? So <laughs> let, me, um, let me ask just a couple of other questions real quick before I ask the last question. I want to know what you think your unique skills have been that have helped you be successful? My unique skills. I have a good friend who is sort of like a mentor but followed my path. And what was interesting is he was three about, she started about three years before me and the opportunities that came to me did not, were not there for her. That's the difference in timing. And, but having someone who is your biggest advocate, somebody who is your biggest cheerleader, who, some, who tells you to do something even if you don't want to do it because they have your best interest at heart. One of the things I always hear from her is that, that I pay attention to people. She's like, your biggest, she always tells me, and I'm speaking through her because it's kind of hard to talk about yourself in this way, but I hear it from her all the time as well. Paying attention and understanding what others bring to the table in order to put together teams that bring the most unique perspective to the table. And so I think one of my biggest skills that has allowed me to be successful is allowing other people to be themselves and bringing out the best in them. And that goes back to, you know, something that's at my core, which is the, the mentoring and, and allowing people to speak, even if they don't have enough stripes in the room because that's not really what it's about. And so and just being myself. I think that that would be mm-hmm. the, what helped me be successful because I'm the exact same person I was when I walked in the door, in in the doors uh, in, in back in 1992. So mm-hmm. just being myself and not being afraid to be myself. I was quiet in the beginning, mm-hmm. and that's not who I am now. It's never who I was, but you know, you I was learning. I had to watch and listen and put my head down and pay attention and make sure that I was understanding because I had to be better than the best, better than the others. I couldn't be average mm-hmm. because I wasn't expected to be there in the first place. They didn't want me there. First, they didn't want mm-hmm. me there as a woman, and second, they didn't want me there, definitely did not want me there as an African-American woman. And so I didn't have the luxury of not trying to be the best version of myself mm-hmm. at all times. So, yeah. Well, we can all see and hear how incredible and how fantastic you are. So 
Thank you for sharing that. And although, uh, like you said, you shared through someone else's eyes, because often we can't or don't feel comfortable talking that way about ourselves. So you are an incredible, fantastic, extraordinary uh, woman, and we can tell that. So paying attention and understanding what others bring in order to build effective teams, that's one of the skill sets that you have. And then just being comfortable with yourself is what I heard you say as well. So, yeah, so great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then I'm going to move on to the hard question. <laughs> Share with us your favorite book, an author, or anything that you're currently reading. Your input will help us as we build our development pool for our other leaders. So we'd like to build our library. So if you could share with us, yeah, what your favorite book is or something you're currently reading. Uh, as far as I read a lot, can't really tell you what my favorite book is because I read a lot of different types of things. What I'm reading right now, I'm actually reading James Patterson's Women's Murder Series. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think there's 23, 23 of them. It's a random thing, but it allowed me not really to think about what the next book was going to be. And so I'm, I'm reading through the Women's Murder Series. And Ooh. I don't know why I picked that up, but like I said, it was probably because I didn't have to think about what the next book was going to be. Okay. All right. That sounds very, very intriguing. We would definitely add this to the list. Uh, and random, I think I'm going to have thing. to go, yeah. <laughs> go look that up, too. You know, just enthrall yourself in the world of mystery and what they say, murder and mayhem. So uh, thank yeah. you so much for sharing See through that. women's eyes, though. See through women's eyes. See through women's <laughs> eyes. Okay, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So we've got another book, listeners, that we can add to our reading list, James Patterson's Women's Murder Series. So like you said, we see it through the woman's eye. So thank you so much for sharing that. But, Donna, before we go, I want you to, first of all, tell us if we wanted to reach out to you, how do we do that? And then if you would, as we close, just share your last thoughts or any imparting words that you would like to leave with our listeners. First of all, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for for listening and allowing me to kind of go down memory lane on some of the things that, that, that I've gone through or how I'm here. As far as parting words, please remember that you're not in it alone. There's other people out there. Reach out. Make sure that you're making connections. Don't be afraid to walk. If you see somebody who is doing something interesting, doing something that you have questions about, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to approach them because um, we all are here and understand what that looks like if we want to have those questions. And that, that's basically it. And just remember that you're enough. You're enough. Mm. You're there for mm-hmm. a reason. And, and please don't let anybody think or make you feel any different. That's their issue, not your issue. And that's where you get the greatest satisfaction is because you know you've done what you were supposed to be. You're where you're supposed to be. And you're going to have a bigger influence than you could ever imagine. Oh, I like that. Thank you. So, appreciate that. So, remember, audience, you're not alone. Women, we are not alone, and we don't have to be afraid to ask or approach someone if there's something that we're interested in. 
But I like what you said, and I have to uh, make that the hashtag for today. Pound, you're enough. I like that. <laughs> so thank you so much. So for anyone, again, you're not alone. I like that also because I want to remind our audience that they indeed are not alone. So we are here for you. You can do it. You're enough, as you said. And uh, we want you to know that Navig is here as well. So we do want you to check out the website, navig.org. Uh, you'll meet other women. You can see some of the wonderful things that we, we do. And today you've met Donna, and you'll hear her again briefly during our luncheon. But Donna, if you would, what's the best way if someone did want to reach out to you or uh, get in touch with you, how would they do that? I would say LinkedIn would probably be the best way. Okay. It's a LinkedIn profile. Okay. And we'll add that to the description on the podcast so folks can see that. Okay. Thank you so very much. And I do want to say this is great. I thought about a number of things that and other roads or paths we could have gone down. So we're going to have to definitely invite you to be back on the show But I want to thank you so much for your valuable time today. We have enjoyed uh, this conversation. Thank you so very much. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And we will be back next Wednesday for another fantastic show. So enjoy your Wednesday. Donna, again, thank you so very much. Thank you. Have a great day, you guys. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day.